Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how you can lease your vacant units like a pro, like the professionals do, specifically during the off-peak leasing seasons throughout the year, which I would define as late fall, winter, early spring, right? And if we think inversely to that, late spring, over the summer, early fall are peak leasing seasons, specifically the summer in general in most markets throughout the country, if not all the markets throughout the country, is the peak leasing season of the year. So how do you put yourself in a position as a multifamily owner-operator to lease most of your units during the peak season when you have the most demand from prospective residents and you can command the highest rents. Well, you need to proactively lease units in the off-peak times of the year to get yourself on that cycle. So in this episode, I want to talk about how we actually do that. This is going to be a very, very tactical episode for all of you out there that own multifamily, own rental property, and are leasing units. So be sure to listen to this one through because in five, seven, 10 minutes, however long this goes, probably closer to five, I'm just going to share exactly what we do in the off-peak seasons and uh, and how we actually set ourselves up for success from a leasing standpoint. So first things first, as I mentioned, you need to think proactively. If you're leasing units in November, December, January, February, and you're just putting tenants and residents on annual leases on a 12-month lease, you're not thinking proactively because you're putting yourself in a position to where if they vacate at the end of the lease term, you are then again leasing a unit in an off-peak season. So how do we combat that? Well, we utilize lease terms that put us in the peak seasons. So let's say you're leasing a unit in December. Again, if you were to sign a 12-month lease with a resident and then they end up leaving, you're back into that bad cycle. So you should offer longer lease terms or shorter. Shorter is probably a little bit more challenging because it increases your vacancy rate and you should only really do that if you're commanding a rent that compensates you for doing that. So I don't typically recommend doing that for folks unless your business model allows you to do that. But in our business, we oftentimes offer both 12 and 18-month leases. And then sometimes we offer other lease terms as well, 16 14, 15, what have you, depending on the time of the year. But usually we keep it pretty simplistic because in our market, it's normal to do that. And we'll offer a 12-month lease at this price. And then we offer an 18-month lease at a slightly discounted price. We want to incentivize applicants and prospective residents to sign a longer lease so that when it does expire, we're in that May, June, July cycle, which is a prime time to be leasing a unit. Now, some people say, well, I'm not, I don't really want to give up rent, right? I don't want to lose rent on my rent roll in exchange for somebody staying a little bit longer and getting on a better cycle, which makes sense. And I think that this strategy depends on where you're at in a specific business plan. You know, in our business, we're value-add operators, right? So we buy multifamily properties uh, where we have the opportunity to create value, renovate the the units, improve the common areas, improve the curb appeal, improve the quality of management. And then ideally, we can command a market rent or a a rent that's more in line with what the market rent is comparatively to what these units were renting for before. And then we refinance, right? And that's our objective. So it's really important for us to to build a nice rent roll that we can show lenders, that we can show our investors. And it's usually easier to do that with shorter lease terms, right? I think we all kind of intuitively understand that. Shorter leases come with higher rents because 
it allows the resident more flexibility and therefore the the owner, the investor, the operator is looking to be compensated for that. So if we are pre-stabilization, if we are still in an initial value add process, oftentimes we'll approach this in terms of getting this unit on a more prime lease, leasing cycle or leasing or you know have the lease expiring at a better time of the year by offering some kind of credit or concessions in exchange for a longer lease term. So instead of us renting, let's say, an apartment for $1,650 on a 12-month lease or $1,595 on an 18-month lease, we'll offer $1,650 for both, but we'll incentivize individuals to sign an 18-month lease by offering a one-time, maybe it's a $500, $700 credit of some kind or half months rent off with a longer lease term. And we push individuals in that direction, right? And therefore, we retain that higher base rent on a rent roll. But the economics still makes sense for the applicant and the resident. If we are post stabilization, right, and we have finished our value add, we've re- we've refinanced. We could still use that strategy for sure, but oftentimes at that point, it's less imperative for us to retain that higher rent roll. And sometimes we'll just offer two different rent prices to minimize the confusion with prospective residents. And a lot of this is going to be dependent on your market and what your competition is doing. We're operating in a market where this is not necessarily normal. So we have to do a little bit more explaining and handholding with applicants who are just used to signing 12-month leases. And that's all they're really familiar with, which is usually commonplace in smaller metro, smaller markets. On the other side of the table, right? if you're in a major city like a Boston or New York or in LA, there's probably a lot of operators that are offering different lease terms and offering concessions, et cetera. So what approach you take is oftentimes going to be dependent on your market and then what you care about as an investor and people care about different things, right? And how much explaining you want to do to a prospective resident. But the fundamental point I'm trying to make is that you need to be proactive about how you're leasing apartments to set yourself up for success in the future. So that's just something that we do. And as an aside to this conversation, I think it's really helpful if you're a multifamily investor to model what you're doing from an operations, from an asset management standpoint, after what the extremely sophisticated players are doing. And if we take a step back and think about who those people are, I would define the very sophisticated multifamily owner operators as the people that own the 300 plus unit luxury communities and the nicest markets throughout the country. That's Those are the best operators in the country, right? Are the people that own and operate those assets. And how do they operate? How do they lease? Well, first things first, they're using a lot of dynamic pricing tools that are not necessarily readily available for the small-time investor that's got 20, 30, 40, 100 units in a smaller market. But the fact that they're using that tool should communicate that they are thinking much more proactively about it. Oftentimes, these, these operators, these property management companies, these owners offer 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, et cetera, month leases all with different pricing, plus, minus 1%, half percent, et cetera. And the pricing using algorithmic data is pushing individuals to sign the lease that's beneficial for the owner operator. And if a resident is signing a lease that's beneficial to them, whether it's they're signing a lease in July, but they want six months and that lease is going to come due in December, well, they're certainly going to pay for the privilege to do that. And the owner is going to be compensated. So you think about that approach and you think, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to use an algorithmic pricing tool with all of this data, et cetera, et cetera. Probably not going to do that in my small little business, but I can use that fundamental concept to put myself in a better position when I'm leasing apartments. So if we were to summarize this down and cut out all the fluff, it's if you're leasing units in the winter, 
offer 18 month leases, right? Don't stop individuals from signing a 12. You don't want to completely nuke the demand for your units, but think about incentivizing individuals to stay longer. Or maybe if you're willing to do six or nine month leases, think about doing that as well so that you get yourself on a better cycle. This is an episode that I think is extremely applicable now, just one, because I'm releasing this in the winter, right? I mean, I'm releasing this late November, early December, so it should be applicable to a lot of folks listening. But it's something that we're becoming very, very diligent about in our business as we lease units at different times of year is just offering multiple options to prospective residents at varying prices and doing so at a level that allows us to compete in our market a little bit more effectively. So if you took something away from this episode, if this is going to change how you approach your business, please consider leaving the podcast a rating and a review. Helps the show get noticed by more folks. We always want this to get in front of more individuals so more people operate their multifamily properties more efficiently, ultimately make more money and create better communities for the folks that are living in their buildings. So if you could leave the podcast, a five-star rating interview would be much appreciated. And as always, thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. 